We are in Come Follow Me week 12, and that is Genesis chapter 42 through 50. And last week, um, what came out really strong for me was this illustration of Joseph being so without guile that he could not keep from sharing dreams, not because he was trying to promote himself, but it was God's word, and he was just sharing God's word. He never thought what his brothers would think or what other people would think, and even as he explained to Pharaoh what his dream meant. He said to Pharaoh, these are God's words, not mine. And as he's explaining to Pharaoh the inspiration coming from God of what Pharaoh needs to look for, never does it dawn on him, I don't think, that he's describing himself. And God has totally led him along through life experiences to this place where he has proven again and again and again that God is his center that he has paired with God, that nothing else matters to him. And now he's ready to be second in command and to do things. And God can trust him that what man thinks will not matter. And so I love that. I think it's very um, similar to Joseph Smith. So how aptly he is named. Okay, in verse 42, they have run out of food and they are starving. And their father tells them to go up to Egypt and to get food. And he sends them all except for Benjamin. And Benjamin has got to be very young because Joseph was 17 when he went. He's now about 32, maybe a little bit older. And um, he's never even met this kid. So this kid is a little, little boy. And um, he doesn't send him with his brothers. But as they come and they meet Joseph, they say, we are all one man's sons. We are true men. Thy servants are no spies. And I love that description, we are true men, because it reminds me of how we describe the armies of Helaman in the Book of Mormon. They are described as men who are true at all times. And I just love that because I think, are you? And I'm sure Joseph is thinking that. Are you? Because you didn't used to be. So let's see what 20 years, what carrying 20 years of guilt has done the fact that you could watch your father be so sad for the loss of your brother, which you did. Let's see how that has worked on you and changed you. Okay, so I love in 18, Joseph said unto them, oh, he throws them into jail before he re he releases them. And I love it says that it's three days because in the scriptures we've talked about how three is complete or enough. And so it could be three days legitimately. It could just be symbolically of it was long enough for them to fear and to be a little bit, you know, shaken up. And so he says, I fear God this day, live, go for I fear God, go and do the things. And so they leave Simeon. And then in 19, it says, if you be true men, and this is let one of your brethren be bound in the house of your prison, go and carry corn for your famine. And so they leave Simeon. And so this is a test. He's going to prove them. So they go home. They tell their father where Simeon is. They tell that they've told Joseph about Benjamin. Their father is very upset that they've even mentioned Benjamin. And this is what uh, one of the things that makes me think these men have grown up and have matured is because it's obvious their father is so attached to Benjamin and yet they don't seem to be as angry as they were about Joseph. They don't seem angry at all. Okay, they've gone on and had their own families. 33, it says, And the man, the Lord of the country, said to us, Hereby shall I know that you are true men, 
Leave one of your brethren here from, with me. Take food for the famine of your house and be gone. And um, Reuben even offers his own two sons in trade for Benjamin to take Benjamin should anything happen. But their father's like, there's no way. So they eat all the food that they come back with. So enough time passes that they've eaten it all. They're starving again. They are so hungry. And I do have to laugh and think, so what are you thinking about Simeon this whole time? You're just like, it's okay. He's in, you know, their father. You're all right. It's okay. We won't worry about Simeon. I just find that funny. Okay, 43, verse 9. And here's a big thing. So Judah is the one, if you remember, who plans this whole selling him to the Ishmaelites, selling Joseph to the Ishmaelites. Okay, so nine, I will be, this is Judah speaking, I will be surety for him of my hand shalt thou require him, and he's talking about Benjamin, if I bring him not to thee and set him before thee, then let me bear the blame forever. So he's offering himself in exchange. And so they come back. I'm. There is no option at this point. They are starving. Jacob's probably, you know, thinking if I bereaved of all my children, I am bereaved, it says in verse 14, we're all going to starve to death. And so there is no choice. He sends him. And they come back and they bring the money that Joseph has hidden in their bags and they bring twice as much so that they can get food. And they come and Joseph sees them and has them come to his house. He wants to sit down and have this meal. But of course, they don't trust that. They are terrified. They know that the money was found in their ba their packs. They've brought it and they even say to the servant, hey, we brought the money. We don't know how it got there. We have it. They're so afraid. And I love that the servant says this. Fear not, God, your God, and the God of your father have given your treasure in your sacks. And I just think that's so neat that the servant gives reference to their God, who is obviously Joseph's God. Okay, and so then it tells us that they have this meal. They don't eat together. And it tells us this tradition that the Egyptians think it is an abomination to eat with the Hebrews, which is such an illustration, again, of God's miracles that Joseph is second in the kingdom. How does that happen? He's a Hebrew. And so I just find that, again, such an illustration of the miracles that God works for our good. Okay, so he gives them the money back in their sacks, packs their sacks really full, but then he also puts his cup in Benjamin's pack. And of course, he's going to prove, are they really, really true? And so then what happens, of course, Judah says, yep, you can take whoever you find the cup in, and sure enough, it's in Benjamin's sack. And so in verse 18, then Judah came near to him and said, Oh, my Lord, let thy servant, I pray thee, speak a word in your ears. And he is just heart sick. What the worst fear that his father has, has come to pass. And in verse 20, and we say unto my Lord, Oh, 19, my Lord asked his servants, have ye a father or a brother? And we said to my Lord, we have a father, an old man and a child of his old age, a little one. He his brother is dead and he alone is left of his mother and his father loveth him. And he is just like, you, you can't even know. And he is devastated. And here's Judah who arranged the whole selling of Joseph. And he's like, no, 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 no. And he says in verse 30, his life is bound to the lad's life. When he seeth the lad is not with us, he will surely die. And then in 33, he says, I pray thee, 
let thy servant, and he means himself, abide instead of the lad. Okay, is there any greater proof that Judah has repented? Take me and spare him. What a change. And I just find that so beautiful. And I'm sure Joseph finds that as such proof that they have become true, that they have learned their lesson. Okay, so I want to go to chapter 45, turn to verse 15. And so Joseph weeps, he meets Benjamin for the first time. And I love that he gives him so much more. But I love this in verse 15, it says, moreover, he kissed all his brethren and wept on them. It is such an illustration of complete forgiveness. Nothing is left in Joseph's heart. He is without guile. He cannot hide it. He loves his brothers. And I think that is so beautiful. And then it says, um, they go, he sends him, he tells Pharaoh. Pharaoh is so excited. I think that is the cutest scripture. So happy for Joseph. It's, it's, um, what did they say? It's broadcasts all around. So everyone knows the whole land is happy for him. And Pharaoh is so excited, sends his chariots to help them carry his whole family and all 70 will come um, and dwell in Goshen so that they're not right down in Egypt. They ask for that. And I think that's just beautiful. Okay. In 46, when they come, this is such a beautiful verse, verse 29 And Joseph made ready his chariot and went up to meet Israel, his father, to Goshen and presented himself unto him. And he fell on his neck and wept on his neck a good while. And I have to think in my mind of missionary homecomings. And when you see moms just hug their sons a good while, I just think that is the most beautiful, beautiful picture. And just such an illustration of God's goodness and his hand in our life. Okay, so chapter 49, we're going to jump to, and we're going to go to verses 22 or 23. Let's start at 23 of 49. And this is what it says. Okay, so Jacob knows he's dying. Israel knows he's dying. He's going to bless his children. And I think it's beautiful in the scriptures. We have an illustration of this many times with great leaders of God. They're so in tune that God kind of gives them the heads up that it's their time and they're allowed to bless their posterity. And I think that's such a beautiful thing. Um, One of the things that really touched me before my dad died um, of COVID, even as shocking as that was to us, he, um, because he was taken very, very quickly, it was such a gift um, that he didn't have to suffer very long. He did give a blessing to our family and it's not super coherent, but he was able to speak to each of us individually and then leave a father's blessing. And that to me is so touching um, because I do think it's something that God does for good men. Okay, verse 23. So he blesses Joseph and he says, Joseph is a fruitful bough, even a fruitful bough by a well who, whose branches run over the wall. That's 22. The archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him. And that has been Joseph's entire life. Um, not only strangers who probably resent him in Egypt or people in the kingdom, but his own brothers. That's how his life began is being envied and hated. And it's probably how his life has continued. But God makes up for everything. And Joseph cares not what man thinks. His his 
focus has always been on God. And I love what it says in 24, but his bow abode in strength and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God. And then it says um, in 25, who shall bless thee with blessings of heaven above. And it just goes on to say how much the Lord has blessed him. And that is truth because God knows that Joseph is true to him. And then I love in verse 31, I just find this so sweet that Jacob is buried with Abraham and Sarah, so his grandma and grandpa, and then with Isaac and Rebekah, his mother and father, and with Leah. And I just think that is so sweet. I, he's had many, many years with Leah alone. And it just makes me kind of smile that that's where he's buried. It makes me feel like he finally learned to cherish and love Leah. And that's me, but I think that's what it says to me. Okay, chapter 50. So here's the end of our repentance and forgiveness story. Verse 15. So Joseph's brothers see that their father is dead, and they say, Joseph will pray adventure, hate us, and will certainly require of us the evil we did to him. They are still worried. And that is what happens when guilt is not swept away, when we have not truly repented of our sins and allowed that miracle. How many times do we have Alma tell his story again and again and again? And the reason he can is his guilt is swept away. He knows the Lord has forgiven him. And I, I think that is so beautiful. But here are these brothers worried again. And in 17, it, they're not honest. They come up with this plan and they make up this story that their father has commanded Joseph saying this, forgive, I pray thee now the trespasses of thy brethren in their sin, for they did unto thee evil, which is true. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespasses of the servants of the God of thy father. And I love this. Joseph wept when they spake it. And I think the reason Joseph wept is he cannot believe they don't understand his forgiveness. And one of the coolest um, ahas, I think, is to realize as you grow older, so often we think people think like us. So if we're a person who goes around saying backbiting or gossiping or saying not kind things about other people or suspecting not kind things, guess what? We tend to think that's how people think. But if we're a person who is kind and loving without guile, as we're striving to be, as Christ was, as Joseph is, we assume everyone else thinks that way. And so it really is usually when we're unhappy and not in a good place with God that we're unkind to other people. But if we're in a good thinking pattern with God and we're in a good place, guess what? We are so kind and loving to others. And so it really says so much of where his brothers are and he just is heartbroken that they don't understand what forgiveness is and i love this so in 19 joseph said um fear not for am i in the place of god which is basically i am not the judge god is and then in 20 but as for you you thought evil against me and i love that he acknowledges this but god meant it for good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Not just you, not just me, but many, many people on the world. God had a plan, 21. Now therefore fear not, 
I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly to them. And I just think what a beautiful example of complete and utter forgiveness. And they can't believe it because they know they don't deserve it. But they are striving. And that is what God's forgiveness is. It isn't that you're true men at all times. It's that you're trying to be true and that you've proven you've changed. You are willing to give your life for this little brother that means so much to your dad. How incredible that is. And so then the very last thing that I want to say is Joseph knows at the end of this chapter that he's going to die. And he has them covenant that they will carry his bones back to his home and his people. And I think that is just such an illustration that he never lost sight of who his God was. And that is the goal, to have God as our bullseye always, to be true to him and to strive and to get really, really good at repenting because we all need to do it. And to not hold on to things for 20 years and have them build up in our mind and make it impossible for us to believe that we can be forgiven. But to every day kneel down and ask God forgiveness and to ask and to repent to um, know that that is part of the plan. That's why we came. He knew we would need it. And I love that lesson in this story. I hope you know the church is true. And more than that, I hope you know how much our Savior loves you.